0: My goal is to pay people everything that they want without ever having to negotiate. It's just, from a starving artist like myself, I know what it's like to pound the pavement. I know what it's like to be undervalued. And it's my priority to value everybody that comes my way.
1: The C-Suite is a podcast about sharing entrepreneurship stories and illuminating financial concepts in a way that speaks to who we are as creatives, as small business owners, as entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs, not as finance executives. Each episode features one finance term that is explained through career stories in conversation with friends. So join me as we dive into the highly personal stories that bring finance to life, because you can do this. You can learn to understand it intuitively. And when we do that and put new ideas into context, that's when we can learn, plan, and thrive. Welcome to The C-Suite with Katherine. Thank you so much for joining me in the C-Suite. The C-Suite with Catherine is a podcast about entrepreneurship and small business finance through the lens of career stories. Today's featured finance term is bootstrap. And I'm thrilled to welcome Danielle Becker of Lefty's Right Mind. Thank you so much for literally joining me in the C-Suite today. Lefty's Right Mind is a bespoke creative studio that brings a client's vision to life through creative direction, on-site activations, and branded product. Through craftsmanship and customization, Lefty's right mind fosters human connection while building brand loyalty and awareness. Today's episode will include the term bootstrap, which is the financing of a business through one's own funds, through the use of revenue, and through individual sources of capital sourced by the business owner. So think things like small business loans, lines of credit, and all-around scrappiness. The C-Suite is a podcast about sharing entrepreneurship stories and illuminating financial concepts in a way that speaks to who we are as creatives, not as finance executives. Today's podcast term is bootstrapping, and I thought it would be the perfect anchor for our conversation about the reality of building a small business with 1. a global influence, 2. a unique take on the idea of inventory and costs, and 3. Danielle's own multifaceted life as an entrepreneur followed by her left hand and a steadfast love for creative problem-solving, designer Danielle Becker paints within the lines, but dreams without boundaries. A self-proclaimed design nerd with roots in graphic design and art direction, curiosity and discipline, all driving her artistry. Danielle, thank you again so much for being here. And I'd, I'd love to start just talking about where you grew up. Mm-hmm. I grew up on Long Island uh, in Grayneck. I love it there.
0: I, you know, I wish it was something more, you know, exciting, but that's the truth right outside Manhattan. I grew up in a small
1: town outside Manhattan too, in New Jersey. So did you, maybe you were like me and like, couldn't wait to get out.
0: You know, it was enticing having Manhattan right around your doorstep. You know, like we had, we were, we were exposed to so much. Our family would always go in for Broadway shows. And, you know, as we got older, we got to go in and, and go out there. So it was sort of like in our backyard. And and now, every time I get out of Penn Station, it's like, I'm home. <laughs> Ironically, I feel very safe in Manhattan. Cause you know, I grew up there. I lived there for 15 years. So I'm back did up you back school? Of I yes, I went yeah. to Syracuse University. I went to the art school and I graduated with a BFA in uh, marketing and advertising design. Amazing. And take me back and
1: tell me, how did you start your entrepreneurial journey and what inspired Lefty's Right Mind?
0: I think it was an innate ability that I always had. My mother had her own business. Uh, she built it out of her house, so I definitely was always surrounded by that sort of discipline. But, you know, ever since I remember I was selling my string bracelets, I was starting a cleaning service. Uh, <laughs> I was to make, you know, there was just something in me that always wanted to run my own thing and I never really knew what that looked like. But for 15 years as I was a creative director in in corporate America, I ran my own freelance business as well. Ever since I graduated college, I was always freelancing at the same time. And about seven years ago is when I was able to go full-time with it, which is when Lefty's Right Mind came to be. I definitely didn't start it as Lefty's Right Mind. It was every quintessential name of DB Designs and, you know, yeah. designs made for you. And it was just I like to swim against the current. I like to stand out. I like to have a unique story. I like to build moments where people second guess and say, oh, wow, that's really smart. You know, and yeah. that's that where mind came from.
1: That's amazing. And you already answered my next question, which was, were you always entrepreneurial? And it's so true. that I really feel like being an entrepreneur is this inherent personality trait. And there's a huge debate about, Can you teach it Mm -hmm. or is it just how you think? And um, I don't know if there's a huge debate with many people, but there's a huge debate with the people that I talk to. And 99% of the time, entrepreneurs as adults were doing exactly that, selling friendship bracelets. Or like in my case, I was doing manicures on the playground. Mm. Oh yeah, I love that. I feel like is really in line with you. You know, I'm not, I I always love to draw, but I really can't paint well, unlike you. You charge I charged, but I wasn't great at collections. Okay, like I had- who is, who
0: is really? <laughs> That's the hard part. That's a part of about
1: of bootstrapping too. You have to be able to get the yeah. revenue in. Yeah, I, I, I had the luxury manicure experience on the yeah. playground, Like I was slower, more precise, yeah. mm. glitter top coat with an upcharge. Yes. I just needed like somebody to handle you were the
0: upcharging quick uh, dry before
1: it became a thing. I don't think I had quick dry, but I was definitely upcharging the glitter top coat. It was the 90s. So I mean, you know.
0: listen, it's quality. People are going to come back when they have a quality experience with you. That's right. I That's did right. nails, but I was hiding from boys. I was just like, I don't want to talk to boys. So I did people's nails. I didn't charge. I should have charged.
1: Yeah. You know, you get, you learn that stuff later, but it's the instinct that counts. Well, so when,
0: when did you paint your first
1: piece? And now for people who are listening, you need to imagine what she's painting on most of the time, which is how I first saw you is I think you were painting like initials on Goyard tote bags. Mm-hmm. This is a high end customization experience for the most
0: part. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell me about your, your first one. Uh, I started my, my business as a graphic designer, logo branding, you know, website build. And then a friend asked me to paint some denim jackets for her, for her wedding. And the whole denim cha- jacket took off. And I was at lunch with a girlfriend and she said, paint my Goyard bag. And we were at Soho House in the city. And I remember I mocked up her bag sitting there because I had my computer because we were working. And it was the initials, the serif typeface initials with the stars inside and a stripe. And I said, Are you sure? And she says, Go for it. And ironically, that's when all of my stress dissipates. And when I'm creating is when I'm most comfortable. So I get a lot of. Terrified looks when they're like, you're comfortable painting on. And we just painted with Ralph Lauren on like a $40,000 piece. But I think it's with anything, if you're comfortable with the foundation and you're educated in the space, you're prepared. And I just, I feel very comfortable painting. It doesn't, unfortunately, I'm a little desensitized now because that's good, you know, but it comes from practice and it comes from knowledge. Right.
1: So when you were mocking up that first bag and painting that first bag, was that sort of the first step into turning it into a business?
0: I didn't know it at the time, right? I feel like that's the cliche of entrepreneurs is I didn't realize I was what I was doing at the time. But eventually I had five, ten bags sitting in my apartment, not to mention a newborn baby. And oh my god, you know, I was like, Oh wow, the demand is Kind of nuts. Because all of these top brands offer customization, but there's there's a line that's drawn. You know, you can only do so much. At Lefty's Right Mind, where it's sky's the limit. You know, you can paint gorillas, you can paint stripes and monograms, you can paint babies, you can paint dogs, you know. It it the sky's the limit for us. So, and I think that was the white space. A lot of restrictions on it had to be a brand new bag. Or accessory, right. you know, uh, limited amount of colors. And I think what we're doing is is telling people's stories in a broader perspective.
1: right. And you're that also serving, on. yeah, I, I it definitely caught on, and I think yeah. you're serving some you're serving a customer who oftentimes, you know if they have a luxury item or a bag that they want something done with, They kind of can access whatever they want and you give them the next level of creative expression and personalization that, yeah, that's hard to find. Anybody can kind of go and buy a bag, but not everybody has something that's so personal and unique to them. Uh, So what were some assumptions that you had about entrepreneurship? Maybe before you realized, oh, wow, this is, this is what I am. This is what I'm doing. So some early assumptions and maybe how did they evolve over time?
0: I grew up with a mother who was an entrepreneur, you know, ran her own business. And I remember she was there for my brother and I, every step of the way, she never faltered growing up. I was like, my mom's going to be there. When I forgot my clarinet at home, Um, when I got my first friends, she was there, you know, she was always at every, every sport game, everything. And naively, I didn't realize how difficult it was to be there for your family and be there for your business. And now that I'm doing it, it is way more difficult than I had ever imagined. But I love my business. It makes me a better mom, a friend, um, a professional, everything, uh, life, whatever I am, it makes me better because I've never felt more fulfilled in my life. And I've never grown. I never thought I could grow to be the person that I become. You know, it's difficult. You, you, you're stuck in these moments of your kids who you want to lay with all day, every day, but also won't go to sleep because you have to get back to work until midnight and those crossroads of what's important right now and what can wait. And it's not balance because balance doesn't exist. It's prioritizing the priority, whatever that is in that moment, you know,
1: and right at least you have autonomy over making those choices. I mean, that was one of the things that for me as like a teenager looking out at the landscape of growing up, Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be able to have autonomy over my time. Mm -hmm. And the trade-off that at least in terms of assumptions I've seen is when you're an entrepreneur and you have autonomy over your time, you're trading the volume and intensity that you have to work to maintain that freedom Mm
0: -hmm. for
1: having less freedom, but working for someone else and then being able to like shut it off at the end of the day?
0: Listen, I was fired from many jobs. Not (laughs) I acted out, but because I always wanted more. I was never satisfied with my job description. You know, I was never satisfied with, this is what the higher ups or corporate expects of us. I wanted to break rules. I wanted to break boundaries. So being my own boss allows me to do that But at the same time, I'm sure you can attest to this, it doesn't ever shut off. No, this is a 365 day lifestyle. I've never worked harder in my entire life and it's all day long, but I am addicted.
1: addicted. I love it. So you started your business inspired by the belief that creativity and design have the power to transform ordinary products into extraordinary experiences. I certainly think that's so true and really speaks to the world of luxury fashion where you tend to collaborate often. So what was your first collaboration?
0: Ooh, first collab- my, one of your One of your early
1: collaborations.
0: The best phone call I received. So we not only do one-off projects, but we also work with brands and agencies directly. So any large business or small business that has to market or advertise their product. So I remember my first call, I didn't, I mean, do we ever really know what we're doing? But I remember it was like year one, months in, and an email came through from Neiman Marcus and Christian Louboutin. I mean, and I was like, you know, no. And I still do that. And we had an onsite event in Jersey. It was a multiple series live event. And was it at the Short Hills Mall? Short Hills Mall. And I had no idea what I was doing. I brought every (laughs) color in the rainbow. Every, I brought a splatter paint acrylic box. I brought everything. I very quickly realized that the creative direction element of our business is so important to anticipating how the event is going to run. There's a lot of unpredictability when you're working live and you have to be five steps ahead in order to be prepared for the questions and the inquiries that come your way. Um,
1: but also like curate and guide the options. They're looking yeah. at you really as the expert to be like, this mm-hmm. is how to paint your $1,200 pump.
0: I mean, I remember that event. Somebody came over with these beautiful, classic black Louboutin boots. And I look at her and like the sales guys, like you should paint, you should do your monogram. I look at her, I go, don't do it. I don't, want to. <laughs> don't do it.
1: You're you know, not on me. I would
0: never want to. It's actually funny. I never was a monogram person. Um, I never, I'm a very uh, approachable, minimal, classic dresser. But I realize that what we're trying to do here is allow the person to feel seen and heard and valued and feel a sense of exclusivity and storytelling. So it's not about the art. It's how it makes you feel.
1: And that's the next level of why people shop that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's really, I always say that people buy designer uh, garments or accessories to put on both the sense that you're doing the right thing because this this item has gone through so many creative eyes and it's perfected and it's you know made its way to the sales floor wherever it is. And then the other, the idea of further making that special and, and unique to you is just next level desire. And if you're, you're, selling a product or a, a, an experience or a brand in general,
0: mm-hmm. that just
1: sends it over the edge.
0: And what we do is more than just luxury brands. We're working with Welch's, so much fun, Welch's Fruit Snacks. Um, it's all about the need to connect while building brand loyalty and awareness. So every brand from the Marie Claire or Welch's Fruit Snacks or um, you have to get your product out there but I'm trying to do it in a more thoughtful, intentional way, right? Um, I never was somebody who liked free stuff. I feel like it's a waste. I feel like I understand from a corporate perspective how much budget it wastes. And if you have to market, take a minute, think of the details and be a little bit more thoughtful. And across the board, that's what we're looking to do here is to promote while feeling a sense of value.
1: I love that. Your your daily mantra is I did my best and my best is good enough. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about
0: this perspective. I really don't love when people say I'm a perfectionist, right? Or you're being too perfect or you have to ease up on yourself because that's what makes me me. That's what makes me a thoughtful friend. That makes me a thorough business owner, right? That is me. So I tried to find a different way of looking at it because I did my best is different than your best and the next person's best, but I'm all about gut check and about common sense and feeling inward. And I asked myself, did I do my best? If I did my best, then the best is good enough and it has to be good enough. So I feel that it kind of takes that you're pers- pers- excuse me, perfectionist out of the conversation and allows this each individual to strive to what their greatness is, and that's unique and different. That's my gut check. Did I do my best here?
1: I'm sure that comes up a lot too when you're, you know, you have a team of other people that work with you
0: mm-hmm.
1: managing people and things. So, uh, let's shift a little bit into the term for the episode, and I would love to talk about how um, it's been your experience financing the company. And were you surprised by certain things as a small business owner, like navigating the existing types of financial resources that are kind of available to us? And when I say us, I specifically mean like female, one-woman shows.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my mother and I started the business. And she handles all of the sourcing and product fulfillment for companies that aren't product-based. And I handle more of the creative craftsmanship marketing element. And when we first started, I think we had like a thousand bucks in our bank account. Um, and that went towards, you know, funding Adobe iCloud. Um, and maybe probably it wasn't even QuickBooks. We didn't use QuickBooks yet. We weren't there yet. I forget what it was, but you know, time management, basic invoicing. Um, we're really scrappy. Uh, I sort of, I'm like learning in real time as to how to, fund the business but it is all bootstrapped it is all revenue is brought back in we have four payrolled employees that we had to manage uh so every day we're learning finance does not come easy to myself or my mother so it's like where we're really leaning into people like yourself and and other outlets that that drive financial support you know uh it was funny when our first hire came through, she, I was like, we can't let this girl go. She was going to, I was trying to get her to freelance and she was blew my mind. And I said to my mom, I said, we got to figure out payroll. And we just, luckily we have the internet and the internet can teach us a lot. It's very a big basic,
1: milestone too.
0: Big milestone, terrifying. Um, but I knew I couldn't get rid of this girl. This girl had to come along for the ride. She's been with us for four years. And we didn't know how to open payroll, but we just did our due diligence. I think if you're willing to learn, the answers are out there. You just have to ask the right questions. Uh, but we're really scrappy. We're really scrappy in how we're building this thing.
1: Can I ask you which payroll provider you found and do you use them and still like
0: them? Oh my God, I don't even know. Can you tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me what it is? T- do you know any?
1: I know them all like the back of my hand. It's like right. maybe, is it Gusto? No. Just Works? No, paychecks. No, ADP. ADP. Ding ADP. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Now, uh-huh. ADP. ADP is like big ass deal. That's uh-huh. a big. That's a big like classic payroll company, and um, I think all of the big companies have started to adapt to to have products and and relevant services for small business owners. When I when I ran my first W two payroll in two thousand and fifteen. I was terrified of ADP because I had worked for a designer who had like a big payroll company and I saw how hard it was to manage. Yeah. And I, I found this company called Gusto, which yeah. back then they were really advertising for like the beginning stages of small businesses being much yeah. more prevalent and and running like, you know, proper payroll, at least internet-based businesses. And I've always probably, probably like you've been an early adopter of a lot of things. And I was like, great, this sounds like it's for me. And now they're a much larger company because so many more businesses in the last you know ten years or so have needed to start running payroll. But no, but it's a huge, huge milestone. How did you navigate, you know, the fear of okay, this feels like a big upgrade in terms of my business and and like bringing on this hire because, as you said, you can't lose her, and you knew you'd be gaining this structure did you just kind of jump because you knew that there was enough demand coming in that you'd figure it out?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's um, kind of everybody's experience.
0: I'm I, I, I'm a jumper. I've learned to slow play and walk before I run. My dad always told me that, walk before you run. And obviously there was strategy behind it and we had to look at the demand coming in. And I remember my dad set our payroll up because he's really good with numbers there you go. and we sat together and can we do it? Can we fund, you know, and, and she's along for the ride with us. So we actually approached her and said, listen, this is what we can give you now, but we promise we're built on integrity. at left yeah. in my mind But we promise as we build, we will get you to where you want and deserve to be. And then some, my goal is to pay people everything that they want without ever having to negotiate. It's just from a starving artist like myself, I know what it's like to pound the pavement. I know what it's like to be undervalued. And it's my priority to value everybody that comes my way.
1: Yeah, being able to communicate that to your team is a Mm -hmm. huge part of growing through bootstrapping.
0: The last four years, we've never been able to give her 10% raises the first two years, 15% last year and another 10 last year. She must be thrilled. She's, Ashley, girlfriend, if you're listening, you're (laughs) in my right hand because I'm my left hand. Love that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's 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 impulse it's 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 a ca- calculated risk you know
1: yeah the ability to take calculated risks and jump that is what's inherent in the entrepreneurial mindset and instinct. Hey, small business owners, are you ready to shift into a headspace of calm clarity when it comes to running your business? Introducing the Small Business Planner, brought to you by Cashflow for Creatives. The Small Business Planner is a beautiful linen covered three ring binder that features 15 chapters to guide you through the steps of establishing, running and growing your small business. Handmade in Rhode Island by a woman owned book bindery. The Small Business Planner is both a beautiful, practical keepsake and a deeply powerful daily companion. Your purchase of the Small Business Planner includes 15 chapters chock full of guides, checklists, worksheets, and lessons, printable worksheets, and additional pages so that you can continue to add to your planner over time. And every purchase of the Small Business Planner also includes access to our step-by-step digital course companion to help you make the absolute most out of your planner whether you're a seasoned business owner or an entrepreneur in the making head to smallbusinessplanner.com to get your own copy today just touch back on the fact that you you know you studied design had more of a creative educational background and of course finance and math is not does not feature in that educational journey. Do you remember like your first memories in math class?
0: I was really good at geometry. Because that makes sense. Shape. Yep. <laughs> Love an equal, equilateral triangle. Uh, I loved PEMDAS. You know, when it was like a puzzle or, or a, a visual, it made sense to me. Yeah. The
1: other bits were like, I, I imagine we had very similar experiences because I would sit there and make mm-hmm. up different ways to answer the questions that were all visual. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I did great with those questions where it's like, if Sally has 17 watermelons and Jimmy takes three and a half watermelons, and then, you know, there's a big gust of wind and several blow away, how many watermelons are left? I'd be like, yeah. I got you. But the yeah. rest was just like, this is unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. And I'm going to sit in my own little kid mind and entertain myself until this class is over. And that's a real shame. And now I think, you know, people are my mom's a teacher mm-hmm. and so i know now that the you know kids are taught differently mm-hmm. and you know we are more aware of different learning styles but yeah whether it's like you're a girl and or you're also a creative artistic child it's like forget it you don't even need to think about math you can just go down this other path and then it's it does do a real disservice to us long term but i think that's that's why I'm, I'm here doing this it's like i was a math late bloomer so tell me a little bit about
0: like, what what does your supply chain look like right now? And
1: how, how have you built your team t- today? Who focuses on what?
0: It's incredible. We've, we're really leaning into our strengths. You know, me being a graphic designer, Ashley being a, a portrait artist. And now in regards to the creative side, we're building out um, different skill sets so that not only we can cover throughout the country, but also cover different aesthetics. What makes this business more difficult to grow is that we don't have one aesthetic. You know, Keith Haring. If you think about Keith Haring, you know sure. what it, what his aesthetic is, and and you can license that out and move. and And that's the hard part for us is that I want to tell a full story, and not everybody's story looks the same. So, in my perspective, we are playing the long game of timeless craftsmanship rather than one style that may go out of trend. So, we're trying to build out our artist team based off of Voids of talent that also complement each other that can also teach each other. We just hired a social media strategist, which we're so excited about because social media is a beast mm-hmm. and it's a full time job. So we're so excited uh, to have her on, and we're really kind of falling into our own specific pockets of business. So it's, it's busy, it's busy, and it's growing quickly. So That's we're trying great. to keep up with it but not grow too quickly. We're being very mindful. Quality is number one for us. If our quality is ever affected, we're taking a step back.
1: That's a really important lesson. And I would love for you to say it again, because anyone who's listening, growth at any cost is really risky. It's really dangerous. And if you're, look, every business needs to have some level of quality as like a core value. But what would it look like if you grew too fast, for example?
0: Artwork would get sloppy. Uh, Our deadlines wouldn't get hit. Um, We try to be extremely reliable and answer within 48 hours at most. And you just would become less accountable. And in return, your client is timid or less trusting. And you
1: have a word of mouth business, I imagine.
0: Yeah. To an extent. We haven't put any marketing do- dollars into anything. That's
1: amazing. Nothing. You mentioned before that you work with all different types of brands and businesses. And so in my mind, I'm visualizing sort of a pie chart and kind of a, a diversified portfolio of clients, which is great yeah. because if if luxury is growing and booming, you've got stuff going on there. But maybe if it's taking a little bit of a, a step back due to the economy or seasonality or whatever, you want to have those other clients that are more mass market. Mm-hmm. So. When you're bootstrapping, a huge part of that is being able to reliably anticipate your cash inflows. Mm-hmm. And all of which are based on the nature of your business. And yours relies on these things like projects and collaborations and partnerships, all of which can be hard hard to predict. How do you approach thinking about like 12 months in your business and your goals for who you're going to work with and how you're going to keep them coming into the business?
0: This is actually a really great question, Catherine, because I'm working on forecasting right now. Um, 2021, we were up 35% in revenue. 22, which was the pandemic, we were up 85% in revenue. Last year, it was 42% and we're in the green again. Uh, we're trying to recognize our slow times of business and try to find some sort of predictability with financials by doing that really just gut driven again, because the numbers are what I'm learning. It's about not being a trend. Craftsmanship is timeless. Marketing Mm -hmm. is timeless. We, the reason why we don't have a specific aesthetic is because I believe that that would cut our nose to spite our face, right? If we're continually growing, we'll never run, we'll never run out. So right now I'm going with time of there's always going to be a need to promote and market your business always. So it's a little sneaky, I guess, when you think about it, is that like where we're committing to the story, but we're not committing to a specific approach because it's evolving in real time right now. So like I said, we figured out our slow points, our heavy points, obviously holiday, we are slammed, you know, up until the new year and trying to manage those moments. And now reaching out to our our clients who we have incredible relationships with, who continually come back and saying, Hey, what is your next six, 12, 18 months look like? How can we support you now? And wow. That's where Direction
1: comes th- from right. So, so there now, your clients are now thinking because they understand there's real demand for lefties Right Mind. Your clients are now thinking, where can we fit in in the next six to twelve months with you?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, that's communicating to your customer base, like, hey, we have a pipeline. We are. This is a an artist led business where you got real hands and people that need to show up and do the thing. So, of course, you can't just order a lefty's right mind artist off of Amazon. Like, that's not how this is. This is a limited, okay. limited team and you need to get on the calendar. That's great. You're, you're like educating your customer. Mm-hmm. And then by extension, you're able to plan farther out and know with a little more certainty what your cash inflows are going to look like.
0: Mm-hmm. My goal is so to get hard. series of events, right? We do a lot of these big moments for leading global financial service firms. And I know those those conferences are happening every year, multiple times a year, right? So right now we're trying to bring in those clients who have an initiative, an annual initiative that can rely on us long-term. I'm, fake, I'm faking it until I make it. Let's be real, right? Again, this is not... I started this as an artist, uh, but...
1: You've got that entrepreneurial fire, which is driving you in the direction... That you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know how do you maintain motivation and focus? I imagine the motivation comes from the fact that what you just spoke to, which is you can now see trends in your business. And that's, inherent, that's inherently motivating, I think.
0: I love when people tell me I can't do something. Oh
1: my God, I'm the same way, negatively motivated.
0: You know, I, I'll be really honest. I was never the smart kid growing up. I never excelled in the way society expects you to excel when you're younger. I was really good at sports and I was an artist, right? I didn't think I was going to become a professional athlete. I dabbled, but (laughs) it wasn't the long-term game. So I wouldn't say I was smart. So now my drive is I am smart. I'm street smart. I have a lot of common sense. And sometimes if you're too analytical, you know, the functionality of of creative problem solving gets lost. Um, I'm, I definitely love what I do. I love it. So that's my drive in and of itself.
1: And it seems like it's been quite the journey to get to this point. So now that you're here, it's not like you really need to channel motivation and focus. It sounds like it's really rewarding everything that you do, whether you're painting on a bag or retaining and growing a team. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, I've relinquished a lot of the the painting at this point. I'm I'm full CEO, uh, sales, growing growing our the business from from the top. I, I I come in and out, but it's the demand is is very large, and there's a lot of organization. We're we're currently hiring, you know, like an internal admin to help us stay organized. we we love Slack, we love Asana. We don't know how we built this thing without. Oh my gosh. Um, but well
1: well then CEO, how -hmm. do you think about pricing?
0: Push a little until if people keep saying yes, you gotta, you gotta up it. Yeah. Once you get a little kickback, but people are still saying yes, it's a nice sweet spot. We are definitely on the higher side, but we are so much more than what people see. And that's somebody painting a bag. We are your internal partner. We create a problem solve the entire creative direction beforehand. We come on site as an extension of your internal team. We're customer facing. We are organizing the product and really marketing the product at the end of the day for you. The, the craftsmanship is really just the icing on, the chair on top of the cake. So we are quality. I truly believe that nobody is building a bespoke studio like we are. And I feel comfortable being the price we are because I understand the comp research surrounding our industry and like-minded businesses.
1: That is everything what you just said because you just really explained why your pricing is premium and Mm -hmm. why you feel confident in what it is. You know what goes into it. You know what they get out of it. And you know the experiential, tangible... Mm -hmm. For your clients, that's taking place. One of the things I've observed in small business owners in general, and especially women small business owners, is this lack of confidence around pricing. Mm -hmm. And you will never be able to grow your sales if you're kind of sheepish about Mm -hmm. your pricing. You need to believe in your pricing in order to sell with confidence. And so, the idea of bootstrapping a business if you don't believe in your pricing, you're in trouble. Because if you can't sell with confidence, you can't rely on revenue to fund your business. Did it take a while for you to get to a point where you felt that confidence or were you just kind of brave and, and went out and was like, I got to start
0: somewhere. Let's just try. We're still learning in real time. Fair. Um, there was, you know, a lot of kickback is, you know, it could be a small water bottle, right? And they're like, oh, can we can we sample your artwork on on this bottle? And for their end, it's like, okay, this... This is wholesale, seven bucks, but I want to sample your artwork. Well, our artwork is premium. So what I used to do is sample for free, but I realized that whether it's on a a fabric swatch or on the final product, our work is always going to be quality. And if you don't want to pay for that sample, that's okay, that's your choice. There's no, you know, you have freedom to choose what you need to do for your business, but we're not going to do free work. And the sample question comes through a lot. And unless it's a material that we're not comfortable with and we do need to test, there is an upcharge for sample work because we don't do sample work.
1: You're really going to also very clearly see who's the right partner for you in that exact like qualifying question. If, if a partner understands why you're going to charge to paint on a sample, then that partner inherently values what you do.
0: Mm-hmm. Somebody just, we wanted they wanted us for doing like a mailer and they wanted us to calligraphy 400 notes, hand notes. And we did a project with them previously and it was X amount of dollars. This time the note is twice as long and said, hey, can you honor the price from before? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you make the note the same length as before, no problem. You're not
1: gonna lose money, not gonna lose money on something that's gonna take twice as long.
0: But the fear of being turned down eats away at you when you're when you're new in the game, right? I have said yes too many times when I shouldn't have. But that was me learning my and building my confidence. And one of the biggest brands in the world said, Hey, can you do this sample for free? I said, unfortunately we can. And three weeks later they came back with the biggest event we have ever done. And they're a long term client. You know, it's it's you have to value yourself if you want somebody else to value you.
1: That's right. If you don't value yourself, you are never going to get
0: paid. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's the most surprising, and, and it might be what we just talked about, but what's the most surprising lesson that you've learned from your entrepreneurial journey so far? I can tell you mine.
0: Yes. Tell me yours.
1: Okay. So, I mean, there's been a, a lot of them, but I think one of them is like how true it can be that pivoting can be really necessary and um, and that it's, I think sometimes in the startup world, people are like, oh, I had to pivot because it didn't work. Like Mm -hmm. mm. Personally, I've pivoted a number of times because I saw something that was just more interesting inside what I was doing. Like my first business was a shopping website for emerging luxury designers. And I always loved dressing women and I love finding young designers and and early stage brands. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But what quickly became a lot more interesting to me was how and why the businesses were structured behind the labels we were carrying. Mm -hmm. Because I realized they were all asking me the same questions about... We were their first account, most of them. And then designers who were roughly my age at the time would call and say, Oh my God, Catherine, I got a huge PO from Neiman Marcus. How am I supposed to finance this? Right. And I'd be like, I I, I didn't know at the time. I didn't know the answers, but I became so interested in finding them out. And then I just, I couldn't even turn the enthusiasm back up for the shopping website because I was just so much more interested in this part of this, of the like value chain and supply chain that was behind the scenes of luxury mm-hmm. shopping. And mm-hmm. so just the idea of how pivoting sometimes is not only necessary to keep your business moving, but it can just be more fun and more rewarding if you allow yourself to be open to it.
0: Sure. So. You know, what I think, what was surprising is that the biggest brand in the world knows really just as much as the small brand. And everybody is human at the end of the day, no matter what name they have on their backs. And it's all problem solving at whatever level that business is at. And it's definitely it's an even keeled experience rather than thinking that they're here and they know more. Just because you're here doesn't mean you know more
1: and and then partnering with a business that's younger like yours they can see you on the same playing field that you just might not believe that that's possible. But very often it is true. I just have a few more questions and then we can wrap up. But I'd love to know, what does a day look like for you right now?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you know, do you want to know today? Take me through it. Um, I went to bed at one because I had to finish work and I had to pick out my outfit because uh, I spoke, I dropped my my older daughter, excuse me, my younger daughter at school this morning ran to the high school, spoke to over 100 kids in business and marketing. So I had to have my outfit picked out because I knew I'd have no time from like, get dressed straight to my tee, straight into the car. I uh, ran to my older daughter's book fair. And now I'm here on the podcast with you. And then I'm probably going to take these jeans off and put on my sweatpants so I can just crush my emails and catch up with the team. Every day is...
1: I'll let you know that's only 12.30 p.m so you've done major mom duty, a public speaking appearance and you're now on a podcast and i think there uh-huh. were two, there were two separate children with two separate places that's amazing. Two, two
0: separate children in two different places. My husband is a dream. We are like total 50/50 partners. Um he respects the hell out of what i'm doing here and he's just the best partner. Uh, and and it, it's super important because i love i i love my dream and i want it to come true and and having a partner who supports it is is just beyond valuable. Um, But every day is brand new for me. There's literally no structure other than us both being present for our daughters at breakfast and stopping work at 5.30 and being with them until bedtime. We are very, very, very focused on the importance of being here for our babies while we have them as babies. Um, So we are very, very strict with 5.30 stop till 7.30 Seven forty-five, and then we go back to work.
1: That's amazing. What's next for Lefty's Right Mind?
0: We are building our creative direction awareness. Uh, Right now, we do a lot of behind the scenes that we may not be known for. Uh, I laugh that we started as we're the ones that paint bags. Now we're the ones that that paint on site but I want to be the creative director. I want people coming to us for our ideas, for the conceptualization and the ideation that starts at A and ends through Z. You're, the goal is to become more of a outer facing partner through the creative process leading up to the execution that is product sourcing and crafting or whatever that looks like.
1: That's a huge goal and, and a fantastic milestone that I have no doubt you will, you will hit. Last two two questions. Um, What questions might you have for me about entrepreneurial finance or finance for small business owners?
0: When numbers in general get overwhelming and you feel like it's all sort of falling apart, what's a grounding tool or approach that you take to kind of, you're like side? your deep breath moment of, okay, I can handle all of this. Are there any tools or platforms?
1: Yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the main reasons why the numbers can be overwhelming is because there's a lack of structure around how they're organized and then how by extension, how you're looking at them. So I am such a proponent of having an actual bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Plenty of creative business owners will tell me, no, 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 I can do it myself. And I'm like, no, 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 you absolutely yeah. cannot. It's a waste of your time and you're missing out on the like regular cadence of receiving monthly financial statements yeah. from a bookkeeper because you need to be looking at them monthly, routinely so that you can start to see trends in your own business so yeah. that you know... What you're spending roughly on travel, on software, you know what's coming in and going out of your business so that you're less likely to feel overwhelmed by popping in and popping out because you are grounded in routinely looking at the numbers, but it's impossible to routinely look at your numbers if they're not being organized for you by a right. profession by a professional. Bookkeepers are also very affordable. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I recommend a number of different folks. If anybody has a question, there's resources on our site to find one. But I also think, even if you're getting your financials from a bookkeeper, it can still be super overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And that's where the financial literacy of all of this becomes such an important piece. So, for me, like, we just released this product called the Small Business Planner, which is a physical thing. You know, There's a lot of digital um, information, but I find that that can still be kind of overwhelming if you don't feel comfortable with numbers. So there's a section in the Small Business Planner that they're worksheets. They're super simple. It's like, what was the sales goal for January? Mm. And then February and March and you're handwriting it in. And then the mm. next column is like, what did we actually do? And then the third column is what's the difference between our goal and our actual number. And so I find it's it can be so overwhelming to look at all of this digitally. Right. So sitting down and, uh, you know, this is, I love to draw in the same way you do. And I think just like pen and paper can be really centering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's not something that, you know, an accountant is necessarily going to tell you, like sit down with a worksheet. But that's what I have found to be super helpful. Awesome. Uh, because, yeah, just... If you look at it on a monthly basis, you start to see what's normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you can know, that's oh, yeah, actually pretty normal. This is generally what we spend on right. this expense and it doesn't become as scary.
0: I love that. So, Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you and my 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 last question for you is, what advice do you have for listeners who might be interested in small business and entrepreneurship?
0: You better be disciplined and you better be willing to sacrifice. It is not for the faint of heart so love deeply before you dive in
1: truer advice never spoken yeah that's, that's <laughs> very helpful if if your idea doesn't get you out of bed at 4 a.m. go back to the drawing board get an idea that does because you're right it's going to take a lot every day for a very long time but it's incredibly rewarding
0: oh it's there's it's it's completely addicting in the best ways and it also allows you for people like yourself, Catherine, to come into your life that you wouldn't have imagined. I have created the most incredible network that become friends of mine. And these people I wouldn't have met if I wasn't running my own show. So I'm so grateful for you, Catherine. And
1: oh uh, likewise I-, I felt I felt the same way. For anyone listening, she's so Right, she's so spot on. Like we connected through my tiny cash flow for creatives Instagram account, and I was like, "Wait, wait, wait! Hold the phone! I've been following you forever." Yes. And it, uh, when you start a business, yes, you do enter this community of, you know, the camaraderie of other business owners because it is tough, and we immediately recognize these qualities in each other, and I think just want to support each other and be friends. So yeah, it's it's a lot of hard work, but there's a warm community waiting for you on the other side.
0: It's exhilarating.
1: Amazing. Danielle Becker, thank you so much. And I will link your website, your social media, and all the things below this episode. Thank you Thanks so Catherine. much for being here. Sure of great, course. Appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The C-Suite with Catherine, your friendly source for small business finance and career guidance through stories. I've linked all the resources that we talked about in this episode in the show notes below. And I can't wait for our next episode together. Thank you so much for being here. Take care.